0: Okay, so um, I divorce as the uh, gift that keeps on giving, Dharma talk-wise. And um, recently, in the past year, I had to go and take the parenting class at the um, courthouse. Has anyone had to do that in here? Oh, no one. Okay, yeah. so. Oh, you have? Okay, good. Yeah, you know, Carmel. You've oh, yeah. been there. Yeah. So I had to do it when Veda was little, um, once and I don't really remember it because it was kind of like a traumatic circumstances and I like literally I have no memory of it and then I went this time and you know I'm a lot more I'm like a decade further in my practice and a lot more awake um and these two folks which I don't know if this was your experience who were teaching it they uh were seemed to be imported from like 1955 (laughs) somehow like I don't know where Else they could have come from except for that era (laughs) and um, they are in they're teaching a group of people who are literally like probably in one of their most traumatic moments Mm -hmm. right where they're either in a custody battle um, or they are in a divorce sort of situation right and this is what they say it's so fantastic you won't believe it they say hey when you get triggered by the person who triggers you most in the world, your ex, don't react. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say. No tools, um, no suggestions for therapy, no mindfulness exercises, no talk about like a sacred pause or like a 10 breaths, Can take 10 deep breaths, I, like nothing. Yeah, this is why they're imported from 1955. (laughs) And then they say, and if you do happen to react in front of your kids, they are going to commit suicide (laughs) and become drug addicts or sex workers and drop out of high school. (laughs) I know. I, I know. I can't either. And you can feel it's like it's a melting pot of Portland. There's all different kinds of people from all over the city. And because divorce is kind of like it goes across all crosses of life, you know, and you could feel in the room every single person being like, oh, my God, I have been fucking up my kids. Right. And my I was like leaking tears down my face, like so frustrated and wanting to raise my hand and be like, stop everything. But it's not one of those situations. It's very institutional. Um, They had a feedback form, and my feedback form was really filled out. (laughs) Um, Because it's an opportunity, right? Like they have a captive audience. You have to go to this class if you have kids and you're getting a divorce. You have to. And you're there for three and a half hours. Yeah. And they could have said a lot of things in those three and a half hours that could have helped people that would have been outside the circle of shame that they created, right? I am so, so tired, so tired of the polarity that has been created in our society around do this, don't do this, and then you're a good person. And one of the reasons that I think yoga and mindfulness is the answer and why it is you guys taken up the the slack in our mental health system, we have people who are on our scholarship program right now who this is their main source of mental health care. It is the thing that they can afford, and it is the thing that they can do every single day to root themselves back in their body, right? And be with people and not go home and just be alone. That's what's happening in yoga communities right now. And the reason that I think it's working is because there is an acceptance of the whole, right? That we don't have to be um, good, that's Mary Oliver, Um, that we don't have to do anything to be worthy of love and acceptance. And that when we are with the people who trigger us most in the world, that perfection and not reacting on occasion, or maybe even every single time, right, Um, that's a false expectation. And that really what I'm interested in is how fast we can recover, right? How fast we can come back to our bodies, how fast we can come back to being able to be accepting and compassionate with ourselves. Because then when we're able to do that, we're going to be able to do that for others. Does that make sense? And one of the breakthroughs that I had just in the last, like, couple months, honestly, in my meditation practice, and it's one of those things, my teacher, Christina, calls it um, stating the obvious, but until you experience it, you don't know, (laughs) and you're like, oh, but, like, you know, when you're breathing and you're like, inhale. Or like whatever practice you do for your meditation and you're just trying to stay focused on something to kind of like let your puppy mind have something to do. Jessica calls it the chew toy, that you give your mind <laughs> a chew toy so your mind can go, row, 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 you know, on it. <laughs> and then you can be doing that. Like you might even notice that when we chant OM in the beginning of class, you can be chanting OM and there can still be thoughts. Have you guys noticed that? Yeah. Isn't it weird? And then you're like, wait, I'm chanting om, I'm thinking thoughts, and there's someone watching all of this, right? And that's it. Leaning back into that person, that mm-hmm. thing, that sense of spaciousness, that loving awareness that knows, right? That's the like sweet spot. And then the question is, well, what is that? Who is the knower? What's happening there? And it's in the not knowing what is happening in that space that there's the magic. Does this kind of make sense? And that there's room for all of it. I think that the myth of meditation is that we're supposed to be like, I didn't think for 15 minutes. (laughs) Right? But never once in my life have I sat down for meditation and not thought for 15 minutes. It's that there's room for both, that the thoughts can go, that we can be chanting them, that we can have the inhale, exhale, and that we can be resting back into loving a spaciousness and awareness and presence. And that is what I wish for all of us as far as like how we relate to ourselves and how we're reacting in our lives, that there's room for all of it, for the whole spectrum of human emotions and feelings. Does that help? Um, Anyway, no more shame. I yelled at my ex-husband like in that special voice reserved only for him like two days ago. And then he texted me and was like, I think that went well, right? (laughs) But it's because we've stopped pretending and stopped trying trying to be like, you know, it just is what it is. And we know that we're the people who trigger each other the most. And there's an acceptance there when you can just be like, you trigger me more than anyone else. Sorry, that's the way that it is. And it's not going to always be awesome. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we both are having more compassion for each other inside of that space which is a wonderful thing, and that there is room for it all, and that my daughter is not a drug addict, (laughs) and I have fought in front of her like a gazillion times, and it's really the coming back home and the being like, well, I messed up, and not trying to be perfect. I think that there's the magic. Okay, let's practice. I'm really excited. Everyone's going upside down today.